It is another day in paradise. Uh, I am Eric Winaldo. This is For the Win. I'm coming to you from the beautiful Blue Wire Studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been bragging about it, and this is the fourth show in a row. Weather is amazing. I'm telling you people, I don't care where you live, if, especially if you live in Chicago, come out to Las Vegas right now. It's still, it's weird. It's still shorts weather, but you might want to wear a sweater, if that makes any sense. I don't know. But Las Vegas is in a fantastic, a fantastic place. Love living here right now. All right, lots to get into. Uh, I'm going to have Steve Davis on the program in a little bit. I want to talk all things Pepe. It's just phenomenal what's, what's going on with him. I, am, I have been sworn to secrecy about some of the things that I know about this boy. He has attracted a ton of attention. I'll ask uh, uh, my buddy Steve about that. Uh, there's now rumors of EPL interest. The number keeps going up, and I'm going to have an opinion about that because Major League Soccer has a horrible, horrible history when it comes to striking when the iron is hot. They just don't know how to do it. I, I don't know what their problem is. Is they, Sometimes they just manufacture, essentially, a, a move, and a player just finds his way over to Europe for a couple million dollars. But when, the, when it's about a player who's currently in form and there's, there's a negotiated number of how much that kid's worth, Boy, boy, have we missed the mark on a, on a few occasions when it comes to Major League Soccer. I have some stories on that. I'm actually one of those stories, and I hate to see it. So I hope Pepe finds a home at some point. The reports are that he has gone to the club and requested the move. Now, some people are saying Major League Soccer and FC Dallas is saying that they're going to wait until the World Cup is over. Hey, by the way, you got to make it to the World Cup first, but the reality is, is that you know, when you have this kind of interest, and we're, we're closing in on the window here really close as far as the transfer window goes. Got to strike when the iron's hot. MLS, they have a tendency to turn the stove off and forget that they left the noodles over there. It's, it's weird. We'll get into that in a bit, and I'll ask Steve about it. As far as the rest of the, the sporting world goes, the Champions League is back in action. The Champions League will have match day three coming up. Actually, today, some of the fixtures that are, that are certainly worth watching is PSG and, and Leipzig will be watching that one as Americans trying to figure out if our friend Jesse Marsh can, can figure it out. It looks like Neymar is going to have some issues with an abductor, so he, he's, he picked that up with it with, when he was with Brazil. So that makes a little, things a little less easier for Leipzig, but they still got to deal with Mbappe. I, I don't know where that one's going. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be the more entertaining of, of the bunch. Ajax gets Dortmund. Dortmund needs to look out. We all understand Holland has, has figured out a way to – to pretty much score a goal a game. But this is a different fixture. This is a team that's in form right now. So Ajax is a different challenge. Atletico Madrid and Liverpool. If you've ever been to watch a game in Madrid, and we're talking about the Atletico, that, that is something else. So Simeone will have his, his, uh, his crew ready to go. A lot of people are saying because Suarez is, is, is out of this one, there won't be goals in that game. I disagree. I think there's going to be more goals than you think. So if I had to pick out of all of these, even including Man City, uh, who's, who's on the road to Bruges, I, I, I still think that might be the better, the better game to watch. I'm sure the television people will figure that one out as well. Inter gets Sharif, and I don't know what is going on with this team. I have no idea. I'm still trying to figure it out. If Inter isn't careful, they, they could lose this game. Sharif was already capable of, of you know, taking down the, the other kings of Madrid. And, and if, if they do this right, they could end up top of the table when we get uh, to the end of the day. So that, that's absolute madness. As far as the Wednesday slate goes, uh, Manchester United would be back at it with Atalanta. Barcelona gets Kiev, Benfica, and Bayern Munich, which historically speaking has always been a very entertaining game. That's always been something else. And then Zenit of St. Petersburg, they'll get 
Juventus. So everybody's back at it. It's always a difficult time. You come spinning out of the international window, and you're right back after it into games. Barca, to me, I, I have that's on the Wednesday, so that's tomorrow. I have no idea what to tell people right now. That's not Barcelona. It's just not. It's a, it's so strange. You, know, you look up and you, and and you're you're going to be watching uh, Madrid play today and say, wait, isn't that Griezmann? And it's almost like that flew completely under the radar. That, and, and people are trying to figure out, wait, when did that move happen? Yeah, I, I'd keep things quiet, too, if I were Ronald Koeman. That's not, uh, it's not the best place to be. You know, I will mention that Manchester United manager uh, Gunnar is a little bit in trouble right now. They, if you saw the loss to Leicester, it was something else. It was not the best day for uh, Harry Maguire. I mean, clearly he had sat out the England fixtures with a sore calf. They're not saying it was a pull or an injury or anything, but it certainly was affecting him. But, man, he didn't look good on that second goal. I mean, it's a great chip, but I'll tell you, that, that's, that's – and I think Veteran being out of the team, and then you have – even though it didn't look really bad at, at most of the time, but to, to, to go down the way they did 4-2, if you're watching the game, and it, they worked so hard to get back in the game. And, you know, you're welcome back in the sense for that second goal. But at the end – I was like, 12 seconds later, I, I think Vardy scores. They clearly are going to get the criticism, and Shoshkow is start, starting to hear the noise. Uh, Ronaldo looked pedestrian at best in that game. And the last one, I guess, you know, that maybe is, I mean, just all this, uh, this talk with Newcastle and you know, what, what happened uh, in the East Stands at St. James Park the other day was pretty amazing. They're all this talk about Steve Bruce. He's not even going to last. The final score was 3-2, to two, but anybody that watched the game or witnessed this, this was uh, pretty terrific. They were able to save someone's life who was in the stands, and the players recognized it. I mean, Eric Dyer uh, chimed in on this. Harry Kane also, you know, basically the, the players were aware that they had the uh, defibrillators on the bench, and they were able to get to this guy and save his life, which is, which is a pretty cool story. I don't want to get too far into it, but I love to see stuff like that. You know, we, it's, uh, it's a crazy time in Newcastle. I mean, it even made my heart rate uh, go up a bit. You know, when you start talking about $250 billion of uh, cash coming into that team. Still unable to win, though. And I think Steve Bruce's uh, days are certainly numbered. But, uh, you know, look, I, I started off this cast uh, wanting to talk about Pepe. He's getting a, a ton of interest right now. The only way I know how to handle these things uh, when you're dealing with a story like this is to go right to the source. So, and that would be Steve Davis. All right, let's bring him in now. This is Steve Davis, the one and only. You can find him on Twitter at @stevendavis90. He is a writer. He is an analyst. He is a do-it-all. He's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, he is also currently the FC Dallas TV analyst. Works with my very good friend Mark Followell, who uh, who I had the the honor to work with. And, and it's not even about you today, buddy. It's all things Pepe. You were at practice. I've already mentioned him in, in the show. Uh, and, and I want to learn a little bit more about this guy. You were out there today. What's the vibe around this kid? Uh, the vibe around this kid, everybody's excited for him. Uh, everybody wants to know what's going on, uh, including me. You know, uh, <laughs> we are all interested. We are all invested. Uh, but, you know, one of the reasons you, we're invested, and I, I know we're going to get to this, Eric, uh, is because he's a good kid. Yeah. You know, and he's just he, he's excited. Uh, look, uh, you know, we, we, no reason to uh, dodge the, the big elephant in the room. It's all about you know, where he might go next. I can tell you he absolutely wants to go overseas at some point. So the vibe right now is that uh, he's just, everybody's just excited for him, and it's just, a, it's just a good time to be Ricardo Pepe, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, the only thing that I might worry about, because of his age, 
And you were there. You could actually give me a gauge on what it's like to see him at practice because when there's so much around this kid, I mean, clearly the next game for the U.S. team is against Mexico. He's a Mexican-American boy that has decided to play for the U.S. There's a lot of onus, a lot of focus on him right now. Is he laughing at practice? Is he loose? Is he head down? What, I mean, what was that's what I, when I asked about the vibe, I'm worried about this kid's demeanor. I, I want to know how he's doing. I think uh, you're right to be worried about him. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, share your concerns. Uh, you look, any young player that has a lot thrown at him, I think uh, we're all correct to be uh, a, a little bit weary of, of how that all works out. And I got to tell you, I keep looking for little uh, signs that he's changed or he's getting too much in his head. He's getting too much thrown at him. I look for signs. I talked to him uh, again for a little while today, just saying hi, ask him a couple things about the team camp uh, I'll, I'll tell you something interesting about that in a minute if you want but but i, I don't see any signs eric i right. don't see any signs that he's not the exact same kid he was uh the preseason last season mostly he's the same kid i met what was it four years ago now that he signed right. he was the first player signed for north texas sc before he signed for fc dallas he's all about soccer he's just soccer and family and it sounds like something i would tell you you know, if I wanted to increase the transfer value or something on this kid, it, it, it's not it, it's not necessary to do that because that's who he is. I'll, I'll tell you real quick. Uh, when I met him the very first time, I had a little deal to announce North Texas SC and he was going to be the first signing. Uh, there was another FC Dallas player there, another good young player. You know, the other good young player, um, I, I, there's no reason to tell you who it is because he's not here to defend himself. But you could tell he was a little bit more interested in want to be a good player, but he also wanted the life. You know, right. he wanted the, 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 the money and the bling and the women's. He wanted the whole bada bing, right? Ricardo Pepe, right there, you got the impression, just soccer. He just wants to go play soccer. And for that, and for him, that means scoring goals. Oh, that's very good. I like to hear that. You know, for you and I, we tell ourselves the 40 is the new 30. That's, the, that's, how, <laughs> that's how we get through the world. Yeah, but, we tell him. Tell yeah, him but that. Yeah. this kid is proving that 18 is the new 25 when it comes to maturity uh, in the yeah. game. And I, I like that part about it. There is, you know, there's a lot of rumors swirling around about where he might end up. I know that there's some connections sure. and the possibility uh, of Germany looks like it's on the horizon. I'm hearing rumors of the EPL uh, that he's got some interest. Uh, what are you hearing? Are you hearing anything on the inside? I mean, is that is that agent like like strolling around, watching practices, making sure he doesn't fall down right there to pick him up with a pillow? I mean, is is are we getting worried about well, this? I uh, I hope it is because his agent's relatively new to the game, so I uh, hope he's I hope he's uh, you know fully invested here, and I, and I think he is. It's interesting though, you know. I keep hearing about interest, right? Mm -hmm. Interest, yeah. Everybody's interested. You know what, Eric? I mean, I'm, I'm interested in um, having dinner with Anna Kendrick. You know, <laughs> I can make some calls. I can make some calls. I don't think it's going to happen, but hey, I'm interested, right? So and, and so I talked to Andres Inouye, the technical director, a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, hey, of course, everybody is interested, but everybody just wants to call and kick tires. And, and as of two weeks ago, I can, I, I can tell you for sure, as of two weeks ago, there were, there were no formal offers. So everybody calls. You, you know, the, now the formal offer thing, you know, that, that, you know, that may or may not have changed a little bit uh, recently. But, but, you know, interest, yeah, well, sure, they're interested. And, and if they think they can, you know, get them on the cheap, well, of, of course, they're, they're going to make calls. So, um you know, where, you know where do you, where do you think he's going to – I know, but where do you think he's going to go? I mean, like, I mean, you just kind of mentioned it. You've been kind of emotionally invested into this kid. And, sure. and, and it is a success story. And we've seen a couple uh, FC Dallas players make their way over to Europe. But, I mean, in your heart of hearts, 
if, if you had to say, all right, he's, he's gone, he's no longer a part of this organization, and he's playing somewhere else, and I'm proud of that, where would that mm-hmm. ideal place be right now? Okay, we're not going to say Manchester United or Bayern, but sure. where would be a good spot for him? Somewhere where he's going to play, yeah. honestly. I, I, and I'm not, uh, look, uh, I'm not going to try to tell you I've been in the room when these conversations are happening. I, I haven't been. I, I just – not one thing has not changed in the game since you were a young kid, right? Uh, you have to go somewhere where you're going to play, where they, ha- where they value you and they value your development. And I just want him to go someplace like that. Uh, you know, I've seen the same reports that, that, that you've seen. I purposely, when I'm around – Ricardo, I don't ask him about that because he doesn't. He doesn't need me asking about. It. He's not going to tell me anyway. Right. So I, you know, I just ask him about, you know, who, who are your best buddies now in the national team, and he, you know, what, how did that work out, and what did you learn from Greg, and things like that. But I, I don't, I, I don't ask about that. So I don't know. I'm not privy to those conversations. I just want him to go someplace that's a good fit, someplace where uh, they are going to value his development, and not someplace where he's just going to sit behind. You know, four guys in, in front of him, right? There it what, is. What good does that do? There's your dog. Uh, yeah, I was waiting That's just one for of them. All right. That's just one of them. <laughs> well, I'll let you go tend to your dogs, man. But listen, one, wait, a couple things. Great to see you. I hope to get to see you in the very near future. Same here. Uh, you keep doing the good work, and I'll be following you as always. Give that kid a hug from me if you see him, and, and let him know that he's got, uh, he's got some I gotta fans. i got to reach out to him, man. He's, he's tall. i got to reach out. He's big. He's tall. All right, just pat know? him on the back and say he's got fans out there. There you go. I can, re- I can reach his back. <laughs> All right, brother. You be well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you too. You too. Thanks, man. We'll see you. So that's what's going on with uh, Pepe. Whether we want to call him the new 25 or the new the – what, what did I say? 18 is the new 25? I, I am impressed with the way that he has handled things. But I think we started to talk about it, and Steve alluded to it. He's been very close to this situation. And it's, it's a very difficult thing. And, and as a player, I went through this once. I mean, but it wasn't, it wasn't this kind of attention. Well, actually, that's not true. Because when you're in a club in Europe and everybody knows that you're leaving, it's hard. Everybody that you see wants to talk about it. And that's the last thing in the world you want to talk about. And, you're, and you've been told by your agents and all the people around you, listen, this is what's going on. We need you to just keep your head down, be a good pro, go to work. And then what ends up happening a lot of times is you just don't make eye contact with anybody. You get out of your car, you just kind of stick your hand up and you just try to walk as fast as you can. And it was, it's always the same. It's, you know, the guy who's, uh, that, that's trying to get from the parking lot to the training facility in a big club, it's basically like watching a guy who really has to pee really bad walk. I mean, that's, you're just walking fast. You're just trying to get the hell out of there. You are not stopping. It's very clear with your mannerisms you're not going to stop to talk about anything. So, you know, in, in all those little things with an 18-year-old kid who's kind of come onto the scene the way that he has, is an amazing soccer player, and it seems like he's an amazing person too. You're just hoping for the best. Steve's point is, I just want, to go, I want him to see him play. I want him to go somewhere where he's going to play. And here's, here's why I think guys like Steve say stuff like that. When I talk about the the history of Major League Soccer and, and the fact that we've been really bad at this and striking when the iron's hot. We, we're just not good at it. There's so many examples. Clint Mathis was an unbelievable example. This was an opportunity for him to go to Bayern Munich. And I know the story. And, and they could tell you whatever they want over there. And this was, I guess you could say, more in the infancy of, of Major League Soccer. So we really didn't know what to do. You got a guy just prior to the World Cup in 2002, lighting it up. 
getting interest because of his performances and, and big teams on the planet are saying, all right, there's talent there. Let's get him now. And the way that this worked out, which was really horrible, a guy like Clint Mathis goes all the way to, to Germany, agrees to his terms, right? Says, okay, I'll, I'll play for that. To, to go so far as to actually be in a, a car dealership, picking out the car that he's going to drive. To come home, and the only thing that they have to that they agree on now is a transfer fee, and then that's where it just went haywire. Ivan Gazidis, who is no longer with Major League Soccer, has moved to a couple occasions. He used to be with Arsenal. I think he's on his AC Milan now. He's made a wonderful career for himself, actually. I remember talking to him about this. And, and all the things that I used to say on ESPN, oh, boy, I was so horrible. I was so negative. I could, and they, can you please taper it down, Eric? I mean, why do you have to always you know, say things like this? It's so detrimental to the league. You need to stop. And I said, well, I don't understand what the holdup is. Because what essentially happened is they played that game. They said, we'll make an offer. Bayern Munich made an offer and never got a call back. Two weeks go by. And nobody, can, and, and, and it's like people that don't know what to do choose to do nothing sometimes. And so the guy never gets to go. Clint Mathis, that being. So I remember having a conversation in New York with Ivan Gazidis. And this is what he said to me. This bothers me. Because of all the horrible things that I've said about that the level is this, it's not good enough, or it needs to get better, or maybe we should switch our schedule, whatever it was. Ivan Gazidis said this to me. Eric, you need to understand, we are not in a position as a league to send our stars to Europe so they can sit on the bench. Let's just go through that for a second. That's an oxymoron if you don't know what that is. Because you're not a star if you're sitting on the bench. And what he needed to realize in that moment is, is if you're actually selling the idea that our, that our players are stars, but they haven't done anything over there, they're not stars yet. And nobody in America was buying that line. Even though they were trying to spoon feed it to everybody, they we got stars in America, and it happened again with Demarcus Beasley, and it happened with Taylor Twalman, and it happened with Clint Dempsey, and it happened with me. Demarcus Beasley was probably one of the funniest ones. Not, it's not funny at all, actually, because I was covering the game from a different angle. I had just started working for ESPN, and I had to go to an event in Chicago. And I remember the storyline as it came out for out of the first game, out of the, out of the gates, uh, Syria was all over uh, DeMarcus Beasley. They wanted him bad. And then as the tournament pro progressed, the number kept going down, and then he, you know, he had a, a, a little tweak of his hamstring, and it, and it, it's, it, it just kind of poof, and it was gone. But at, one, at, a, at a moment, when you talk about striking when the iron's hot, there was a $6.5 million offer on the table. Some people, some reports even say it was as high as $9 million. But ultimately, what ended up happening is Major League Soccer treated the World Cup of 2002 as a coming home party when it really should have been a celebration of, here's your hat, what's your hurry? Get out, let's go. Let's give some new guys. Let's, let's celebrate the success we just had. And let's sell some of these guys and let them have an experience. But they didn't do that. So I worry about Pepe. I do. I just worry. I worry. Because what happens in these kind of situations 
And this is the way it works, folks. I'm not there. I don't know what's going on. But when you have so many distractions and, and, and the world isn't, isn't really cooperating and you got a lot of people in your ear, it's hard to focus. It's hard to, to do your job. And, it, and, and especially for an 18-year-old kid, whether we think he's the new 25 or not, I don't care. Because this is where you tweak something. This is, this is where you're not focused. You turn your ankle. It's something, something, and I'm worried about that. That's the kind of stuff that, uh, that happens when you have too much in your head. And, I, and I'll tell you one story about DeMarcus Beasley. The reason why I'm worried about Pepe is I just think it's, uh, bigger and better things are on the horizon for him, but it has to be handled appropriately. He has a young agent, or at least an inexperienced agent, and I hope he gets some help, but this is the time to do a deal. If you're really concerned about it, you're not sure you're getting enough for it, then here's what you do. And I've done this before. Just get 10% of the second sale. It might make it all make sense. Sell the kid for five. Don't ask for 10 MLS. Don't do that. Sell him for five. Get your 10, 15% on the second sale if he blows up and he goes for 50. And you get your money. And you do the right thing. But the thing with DeMarcus, which, which blew me away, I was in Chicago for this. I mean, I was actually there, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget what happened. It was a guy named Mark Noonan, uh, who's actually a great guy, but he had put together an entire program which had really made DeMarcus Beasley the face of inner-city kids and soccer and how we were going to connect with them and get more kids involved and facilitate ways to get pathways for those kids to get off the streets and get on fields. I remember the whole thing. It was a really, really impressive production. But I remember having conversations on the inside with Major League Soccer and saying, let me get this straight. You didn't want to sell him for a couple of to make him a millionaire. And I know he's making a little under $100,000 right now. Are you going to offer him a new contract or what's the plan? And at that time, this inner city idea it was to make him the face of it. It was really to make him famous. It had nothing to do with the financial component of it. It was about he was going to be the face of something, and this was going to be so great, and he was going to work for Major League Soccer, and they were going to squeeze him for every dime. And I was in the crowd, okay, listening to this. And the reality is a man comes up next to me, and he has his two boys. And I'm guessing if I'm going back in my memory, their ages were about, I don't know, 10, 11, 8. Right? They're African-American family. And, 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 and he was so excited to see DeMarcus Beasley. And that was the point of some of those representatives of MLS. You see? See how excited he makes people? You see how excited these people are about seeing, you know, five foot seven, 127 pounds soaking wet? I mean, he can do it. And it was. I saw the energy and I saw the messaging behind that to really put him in a, in a, in a, in a spot where he was a role model. And this dad was a perfect picture of that. Until... He turned to me and said, so you know this guy? And I actually, this guy hasn't, doesn't know who the hell I am, but I'm standing there in a suit. And I said, yeah, I actually know him very well. And I didn't say that I had played with him and whatnot. And he said, he's great, isn't he? We watched him in the World Cup and the boys just love him. And I said, yeah, me too. He's a great guy. And he says, how much money does he make? And I said, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I said, it's yeah, about $100,000. The guy looked at me like, $100,000? And he literally said, come on, boys, let's get out of here. And he walked away. And I, it just struck me as, wow, did that just happen? Because this dad had a hero. And then that money part, 
really just changed his mind in a hurry. That's it, boys. Let's go to lunch. What if he would have been standing on that stage saying, I, I love everybody in Chicago. I want to thank you for everything you've done for me, but I'm going to Lazio because they, they just paid $7 million for me to go play soccer over there. I don't speak Italian, but this is going to be one hell of an experience. But thank you, everybody, for being here. That's your role model. That's where those two kids say, wow. Not, oh, hi, I'm Demarcus Beasley, and I'm just as poor as everybody else here. I mean, was that the message? And he missed the window. So maybe that's a callous way of looking at it. Maybe I'm being rude right now, but I, I, this is why I worry about Pepe. Because Ricardo Pepe is looking at a payday. Some of you might remember Taylor Twelman. Promised a lot. When he first came into the league, he was making $36,000. And he had an opportunity to go to England on a big transfer. The league said no. Signed this new contract for one-tenth of what they were offering you. But guess what? Three games later, he hits his, I think he got kicked in the head by Danny Califf in L.A. and hits the pole, and that's it for his career. And that's why we, we all know that concussions are a big deal to Taylor Twelman. And rightly so, ended his career. But he had an opportunity, and the iron was hot, but MLS said no. Now, look, we've grown up a lot. The insecurities might be gone. I, I, I certainly hope they are. And we've seen players move, so that's, that's the encouraging part. I mean, even looking at Alfonso Davies, who, who for, for, there was a, an agent who is a very close friend of mine who had sent hundreds of email to Manchester United saying, this kid's the real deal. I mean, when he was 14, 15 years old. And eventually, eventually he makes the move. And he got out. Until the Yedlin story. That's another interesting one. You know, Matthew Hoppe, who was cut by uh, the LA Galaxy and then goes to Casa Grande, which is the academy in Arizona. And that didn't work out. And he just basically bought his way into this thing. But he is worth it now. Scores five goals in his first three games, and essentially he's, uh, well, let me get that right. I think he had a hat trick. He might have had five, five and three or five and two. It's, it was amazing. It was straight out of the gates. The only reason why I know this is because those geeks over at ESPN sent me a, an email that said, you do realize that you're the fastest American to score eight goals in Europe or in Germany. It took you 13 games to do it. So he's clearly going to break your record. So I was watching every game wondering when he was going to surpass my record, and it never came. Came out of the gates flying with a hat trick and another couple of goals, and then I think he went 10 straight without scoring. But that's, that's, that's how the world works. Again, strike when the iron's hot. At one point in that, in that, in that flash of a hat trick in the Bundesliga, there was somebody out there saying, what about that kid? Schalke's in trouble. They'll sell him. Let's get him. No, no, no. It could only get better. Let's just hang on to hope or whatever. Schalke goes down, and now you find yourself in Spain. And not getting any minutes, well, barely some, with the U.S. national team. Even though there's a lot of people out there that like you, there's this other kid, Pepe, standing in the way. Regardless. My point is this, and I think Stephen, uh, I shouldn't call him Stephen. He hates it when I call him Stephen. Steve Davis mentioned it. Is there is, we're hanging on to hope here. We want him to go somewhere he's going to play. And if, if, if you're in Major League Soccer's camp, I don't know if they're still doing that, that BS where they're telling people that we can't have our stars go sit in, on the bench. 
Yeah, if somebody pays you $15 million, or don't ask for 15, but if somebody pays you $10 million, go f- use the money and go find five more. That's the whole point. Develop more talent with the, with the new resources that you have, you have created by one of the players that you developed. Nothing wrong with that. Celebrate that. Don't hinder the progression of the player just because you don't know what to do. What's that? It's a line from, from a song, Rush, where they say, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. MLS guys do that a lot. And I'm not saying you know, knee-jerk decisions here, but I, I, I certainly would like to see some of our players when those opportunities are there for them to go. To go. So, Ricardo Pepe, I, I'm, I'm wishing you the best. Stay clear of injury, please. There's a lot of weird chemicals that get released into the body when you are put into these kind of stressful situations. Let me remind everybody, in sports, the reason why we pay our athletes so much money is to get them to relax. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. I'm, a, I'm a totally against it at times. Because I, I think, you know, if you got a player that, that it, could be, it could be any sport. And the, the fight to, to earn that big payday or that big transfer fee. Sometimes when, when you get there, when you get to the end of that, and then you sign the big contract and you're holding up the scarf, some of these players, and this is a question of character, when you t- deal with guaranteed contracts, let me get this straight. It doesn't really matter how I play. You're still going to pay me $10 million a year? Hmm. And then there's other guys that take on the responsibility of that money, understand what it means to put the shirt that they're wearing on and represent a community and a club that's been there long, long before they ever decided to grace the earth with their presence, no matter how great they think they are. But I want to see Pepe go. I want to see him. It would be, it would be hilarious if, he, if somebody like Monterey stepped up Mexico and bought him. That might be weird. That might be uh, something that they're talking about over there. Trying to figure out a way that they could steal him still. I don't know if the what the, I, I think we're past that. I don't know. I have to look it up. Because I know that he had played in one of his first couple of games. It was like he could, he could still turn coat on us. He could still go. He could still be a part of the Mexican national team. But I think I, a, a good indicator for me was against Jamaica when he kissed the jersey. I don't know if you saw that, but that took it all the way. That took it to a spot where there's really no going back. So I don't think, uh, I do not think that will be the case that uh, he, he ends up going south of the border and playing for Mexico. I think he, I think he sticks it out with us. But we, I really hope, I really hope that we start making good decisions that are in his best interest and that might mean getting in a room. This is what the offer is. It's not enough. We're not happy with it. And he basically is, but I really want to go. And somebody, somebody in there figures out how to compromise. And by compromising a couple hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, there's always that, that in, in essence, everybody wants to do the deal that both sides are happy. Both sides are never happy on the, these kind of deals. But if he gets, a, if, if there's a good number thrown at him, take the deal. Put him somewhere where he can play, where he can grow. I mean, not to belabor the point, but I mean, this, isn't this what Jurgen Klinsmann 
was screaming at the rain about. His whole point was, I'm the national team coach. I, this isn't an anti-MLS stance, but I want my guys to play at the biggest clubs under the most pressure and make the most money. What's so wrong about that? And there was so much, how dare you say something like that when it came to Jurgen Klinsmann's stance on that. And he was right about a lot of things. And where are we now? Where are we? We're, we're, we're sitting here celebrating the fact that our starting lineup has Dortmund, Barcelona, Man City, Chelsea Football Club, Leipzig. We're celebrating that. And at the end of the day, there's a kid from FC Dallas that's saving our asses, which is great, which is great. But it's not a bad thing if his next destination is a middle-tier team in England. It's not. Hell, why don't you just wait a couple more weeks and see what Newcastle wants to do? Because whatever, you know, whatever everybody else is, is, is willing to pay, they'll double it. They will. I mean, it's like, I think he's probably worth five. Okay, we'll give you 20. What? Yes. That, you just say yes to that. You don't blink. I mean, that's, I've, I've seen deals fall right through the table with you know, trying to get all the details figured out. Man, when you can afford all the details, you know, just don't put yourself in a compromising position. But I just asked you to compromise, and then I'd say, don't put me. All right, that's, that's, that's a bit of fun. That's a bit of both hands of that, both sides of the, of the coin. All right, I do, I, I do want to, just before we, we, we get out of here, because it, it, um, it is a Champions League week. We are at it a little bit later than normal. Today is my, my beautiful Tatum Milan Winalda's birthday. <laughs> I've mentioned her on the program before. She has uh, accepted a full-ride scholarship to a D1 school. I am not entirely sure if I'm allowed to say the name of the school yet, but I will say this. My life just got a lot easier. I had a daughter, she's 22 now, Brooke, who had, uh, she had previously been on a bunch of programs with me. She's, she's, got a, she's up in Seattle. She goes to Seattle University where she just graduated. And uh, basically, this is, was her deal. In her junior year, and she had every single school after her, at least talking to her. And we were pretty sure that you know, she was good enough to get a scholarship somewhere. And she played in a high school game at uh, the local rival, uh, Agora High School, which is turf. And she was pushed from behind as she was trying to shoot, and she hit the ground and ruptured the capsule on her right foot. And that was it for our soccer career. Um, she had to wear a boot for six months, discovered that she actually really liked coffee and biology. And that's the makings of a future doctor. So uh, very proud of her, everything that my Brooke Ireland does. My kids all have weird names. Brooke Ireland is uh, my oldest daughter. Tatum Milan is um, one who's having her birthday today. She is 17. Uh, I will be closing up shop a little bit earlier today, getting in a car and going to find her and spoil the hell out of her because that's what we do. She didn't get her 16th birthday because of the pandemic, which um, is probably why we're doubling up with, uh, with this birthday. But happy birthday, kiddo. So proud of you. She does, um, she does play a little bit like dad. She gets uh, 
you know, if she loses the ball two or three times, somebody's going to get hurt. She's going to chase that defender down and put him in the third row. That's it's kind of an all the trait. It's weird because those are the things that you you get uh, you're so proud of with your kids. Uh, I will tell you one story for all you parents out there. Just listen to this story, okay? Because this is how different kids are. Kids are, and I have six. And for those of you who didn't know that, and so there, I, I got all, I got the whole spectrum of everything. You know, I, I, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl, girl, and you know, the youngest are five and six. My son's about to turn 13, and then, and then we have Tatum that's just turning 17, and uh, Timmy's going to be turning 20, and Brooke is 22. So when we first started soccer, this is a pretty neat story. If you're a parent, you'll appreciate this. And we were, were just experiencing that first entry of the game with my son, Tim. And so we took him onto the field. He was on a, we went out, it was one of those games where we had all the old guys, and we went out there to the Home Depot Center, then Home Depot Center, it's Dignity Health now. And all the old guys got together, we played against Mexico, but they showed this video of our heyday, you know? Hey, and, I, and all of us are sitting there walking out on the field with our kids. That's such a proud moment. And I got Timmy. For whatever reason, I just took Timmy out there. And Timmy looked up at the board. He saw all these cool things that Dad was doing and looked at me and said, Dad, I don't want to play soccer. And I said, why is that, honey? I, you, no, you just you do it for you. He goes, because I'll never be as good as you. That's what he said. And it broke my heart. And I said, son, that's not why you play. You play to have fun. You play with your friends. You're going to love this game. But that was a real moment for him. We, went to, we signed him up for AYSO. He didn't play the first seven games. He just he was terrified to go out there. We, we tried everything. And he finally got out there, and he actually scored a goal. And it was such a great thing. And we just experienced this this past weekend with my, young, well, my younger daughter, Blake, who scored her first goal. was completely disinterested, and all of a sudden, she scores a goal, and everything's different. But he had that moment, and, but he didn't really – there was this, this, this fearful component of who his dad was, and it really was a hard thing to deal with as a dad. Flash forward to Tatum. Tatum is, is five and a half years old. Took her down to this field to play in this little scrimmage game against another group. And after about four minutes, it's very clear that she is a player. Not only is she just dribbling through people and scoring, she doesn't like it when you take the ball from her. And all of those traits are still in her. I remember calling my dad saying, Dad, you got to get down here and see this. This is something else. She's good. This is fantastic. So a week later, she had her first game. So she's all dressed up in her purple little outfit with the, with the pigtails and the little stain. You know how they do it with AYSO. They'll let you name the team, you know, the little bee stingers or whatever the hell they call themselves. And the game starts, and Tatum just destroys the other team. I mean, it's goal, 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 goal. Other parents, maybe you should take her out, you know, give the other girls a chance. And I am so proud of her, right? I'm just like, this is awesome. Because I just, you know, Timmy, it was so hard to get him on the field. And she just said, ah. So, true story, I walk over to her, and I get right down in her face, and I go, honey, I am so proud of you. You are amazing. And she gives me the little, with her finger, says, come here, Dad. Like, get closer. And in this voice, she says, I'm going to be so much better than you ever were. And I just got her backed up, and I was like, okay, I believe you. And you know what? She might be right. But she knew when she was five years old that that's what she wanted to be. And that's how different my kids are. But today is Tatum's birthday, so I got to tell that story. She hasn't changed a bit. She's leading her team 
uh, which is now LAFC, which used to be Real SoCal, in goals and assists. She had to take a little break because she was playing high school and club, and she had a little problems with her back, but we handled that. But she's back into action. She couldn't be happier. I FaceTimed her this morning and last night, uh, and I can't wait to see her later today. Happy birthday, Tatum. All right, so um, let's, let's just go through the last bit of this. Don't, I don't think there's much to it, but I think we're going to have to follow up at the end of the week and see where, where, where the cards fell as far as all these results. Still rooting for Leipzig. Still hoping that they don't get, that get plastered over there at PSG. I do think Ajax is, is, might be too much for Dortmund to handle. And the best game is going to be Atletico, uh, Liverpool. And on that second slate, uh, all eyes will be on Manchester United. You have to figure it out. They really do. And, and you know, if you look at it, you know, Man U is a point behind Atalanta. Um, and they've got four points. So this, this game could get weird. Got to get a result. Manchester United is such a bunch of fickle people. They, they get so crazy. Um, now especially when, when um, Manchester City is starting to figure things out. So let's keep an eye on the EPL. It should be some fun stuff on, on our next podcast. So I think this is 11 or 12. I have no idea. Uh, on our next podcast, we will welcome the one and only Alexi Lawless, who uh, has, has worn many hats in his life. Contrary to popular belief, we are still very good friends. I understand him better. I was his roommate for three years, if you can imagine that, in his heyday when he had the beard and the stuff and the guitar and all that. Uh, he will join us at the end of the week. So you might, if you're, if you're listening to this one and, I don't know, we're months from now, you probably want to listen to the next one if you're an Alexi Lawless fan. He, I, I'm, I have to ask him when, he, when I bring him on, I mean, is it the hate or is it the love? Which, which one? And I, I know what his answer is. He's, I don't care. As long as they click, that's my guy. And I, I roomed with the guy. You know, it was, I mean, oh, man, if I could tell you stories. He was our equipment manager's worst nightmare. But he was all of my friends' best friend because Alexi didn't believe in bags and carrying stuff around through airports. He literally would get up in the morning, put on a pair of jeans and a T-shirt on the last day of the trip and the sunglasses, throw the guitar over the shoulder, and depart the building. And I realized after the fourth or fifth time that he did that, he really didn't care about all that gear. So I started, I, 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 the first couple times, just left it there. But then I was like, he left it again. I got a lot of friends who would like this stuff. So I ended up ultimately carrying his bags because I didn't, all I just, just threw it back into the bag and then I put my name on it and I flew it home with me and gave, it, gave all his stuff to my kids or to my friends. Oh, and my kids. But that was our relationship for a good three years. I will tell, we'll tell a couple of stories. One is uh, about how we fought um, with uh, the uh, Ritz-Carlton Tyson's Corner. We really wanted to have the room that Monica Lewinsky was in. And we had to bribe our way into that. We wanted to be in that room. I don't know why. That was Alexi's idea. We got it. We ended up being in that room. Nothing special, guys. It was just a room. But we get to say we were in the room. Anyway, Lexi Lawless will be on, on our slate uh, later this week, so you might, might want to check that out. I want to thank my guest today, Steve Davis, who is a terrific human being. And if, if, if you get a chance to read his stuff or follow him uh, at Steve Davis 90 uh, please do so. He's got about 15,000 followers, and 
knowing him, they're probably people that are all his best friends. He's amazing. And I really want to thank him for coming on the program today. And he will be continually following the Pepe story to figure out what happens to him. And maybe we'll have some news for you when we get to the end of the week. Let's just hope he stays healthy. Either way, that is it for today. I am out. Uh, Alexi Lawless will be with us on the next one. And uh, as I say on every occasion, when I get to say goodbye to everybody, be good human beings out there. Be nice to each other. Love each other. Be more tolerant. Be patient. Smile more. Smiling and laughing leads to healthy people. I don't even know if that's true, but let's go with it. All right. We'll hear you next time. Thanks.